Welcome back. Today, we are going to return to our discussion about COVID because we <laughs> much. Uh, so we're going to talk about it a little bit today. Um, but I, I think that we're going to talk about it from this transitional perspective. You know, right. we're getting right. to the point where uh, things are changing. Um, you know, the CDC announced uh, last week or the week before that, um, you know, that mask, if you've gone, if you've had your second or if you've had the mm-hmm. vaccine, um, you know, masks can be worn a little bit less often in, in fewer situations. Um, and so, you know, we are getting into this next phase of things. And, you know, this article that, that we found is really interesting as it talks about um, how we are going to handle that. Right. Um, you know, it, it's been um, odd. I think odd is the right word. Throughout this pandemic, every time an announcement is made, no matter what it is, it creates this flurry of discussion and disagreement and consternation. And and this is no different. We're now entering a new phase of the pandemic, um, ushered in by the vaccine, because the vaccines have proved to be very, very um, effective in um, reducing not only the the incidence, but uh, the severity of the disease. And so we have what Winston Churchill might've called, it's the end of the beginning of this thing, at least we have the end of the beginning, um, and we're, we're, but we are entering a new phase. And it's not a new normal, you know, we've talked about the new normal, there, there's, there's no new normal. Right. Um, but at least, at least we're entering a phase of um, where we're no longer afraid of catching this mysterious disease that could kill us. And I, you know, we tend to forget how, how frightened everybody was, how scary it was back in March of 2020, when people were afraid to go out, they were afraid to touch anything, washing their groceries. Remember, you know, what were using latex gloves and all that stuff. It was a very scary time because nobody knew exactly what this was. We knew it was highly contagious and we knew it was very lethal. Mm-hmm. So we've moved very far from where we were um, a year ago at this time. Yeah, I, I, I was out for a jog the other day and there were, um, there were a lot of cars on, on the road. And mm-hmm. I was thinking back that, you know, a year ago, um, if you went out for a jog, there were, there were no cars. Right. right. They're pretty empty. And, you know, we were advised not to go out and, you know, not to go to work, not to go out, not to do anything. And um, yeah, it's a big difference where we are now. Yeah, just everything shut down, you know, and, and you think back about every school in the state was closed, you know, everything shut down for a time, stores and clo- built, everything was shut down and you forget, but it was driven by fear. Okay. Yeah. And so now that fear is giving way to some relief that perhaps just maybe we have, at least in our country, in other countries, um, I mean, the whole continent of South America is really struggling, Brazil, Mexico, and of course, India are struggling with um, increasing numbers of the disease because the vaccines haven't arrived there yet. Um, but, but at least in this country, we're entering a new phase. And now we're going to hear many, many, much discussion about this next phase of the pandemic. And that's what this, this um, article and this podcast is about is, is what about this next phase of the pandemic? Yeah, I, I, I recently uh, started watching 
it's on Apple TV. It's a, um, a sort of a documentary series uh, with Oprah and um, I think it's Prince Philip, I think is the other one is the younger. Um, Harry? Maybe Harry. I don't know. One of them. Yeah. The, red, the redheaded son. Harry, right. The younger brother. Yeah, right. Right. Talking about mental health. And one of the things in this in the first episode um, is all about, you know, he's talking about how, you know, people have and I haven't heard this, but I can I could imagine people saying that, you know, COVID was sort of the the leveler that, you know, now everyone has experienced some of these mental health concerns and, and everything. And yeah. they were saying they were emphasizing that, no, what it is, is that it has. um allowed everyone to experience what it, what it feels like to, to go through some of these mental health concerns. But what COVID did to people who already had some mental health issues, depression and anxiety, right. is it, it exacerbated it you know, through the roof. Um, right. so while those who have never experienced it or anything before did get a, some experience with that, you know, those who mm-hmm. already had the pre-existing conditions or issues um, you know, theirs went, theirs was significantly worsened by, by COVID. And so, yeah, as we're going through this process of some relief in, in experiencing some, some sort of respite from all of that, um, that heaviness, mm-hmm. it is this, this next phase is going to, we think it's the light at the end of the tunnel, but, but there's some new things that, and, and some other things that we need to be thinking about because it's not going to necessarily be, you know, the complete relief that many people are, are talking about. That's right. People are talking now about, should I get a booster shot? You know, are we going to need another vaccine right. um, a couple of months from now? And, and there are already people beginning to say, well, six or seven months from now, we may need to get another vaccine to protect us not only from COVID, but from the variants, the COVID variants that are beginning to circulate worldwide again. And so, yeah, the, 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 we're entering a new phase. We don't know exactly what this next phase, what we do know is that we're not going to go back to life as normal as, as it was prior to um, the beginning of 2020. Uh, those days are over. And so we're entering a new phase. And that's sort of what this article is about. It begins to touch on that um, idea of entering this next phase of the pandemic and, and what it might mean. And she begins with a discussion of the mortality, the number of people who died. And, and throughout the pandemic, we were talking about comparing the number of people who died of COVID from the number of people who died in various wars that we fought. And you know, we have memorials from the Civil War to World War I, to World War II, to Korea, um, memorials to, to the fallen. Uh, to the people who died, at least the military uh, deaths that occurred, not counting the civilian deaths. And the number of people who have um, died of COVID far exceed all those other the people who were lost in wars. So we have this number, 578,000 Americans died. What, what we're not thinking, what most of us don't think about is that for each death, on average, there are nine family members left behind. And so we think about 578,000, but in fact, there are over 5 million Americans who right now are going through um, a grief process because of the loss of a loved one. And that's just the deaths. That's not the illness. That's not the morbidity. 
um, the long haulers, as they're called, the people who are still struggling with symptoms. But in addition to morbidity and mortality related to COVID, we also have people who have lost jobs. Right. Um, businesses have closed. Um, entire industries have, have, have shut down. Um, well, uh, teachers and, I mean, um, so people have lost jobs. They've lost houses. Uh, marriages have, have uh, fallen apart during this time. Um, we've lost our daily routines. Well, and, and like, you, like we started out, it, you know, we lost our normal. And, and when you lose your normal, when you when you no longer can no longer have normal, that is a that, that, that's a big shock for m- many people, most people. That's right. And, and we tend in our relief, we tend not to think about the all these negative effects. And but in one way or another, we've all been touched by this. If you listen, if you listen to any podcast, there was a podcast, um, The People's Pharmacy yesterday. And um they interviewed uh, a family therapist and, and he made the comment again. He said, in one way or another, we have all been touched by this pandemic. I mean, you, it was impossible to escape it. At the very least, you lost your routine. Right. You know, and, and there were people who were isolated for, for a year, you know, who really uh, weren't able to do anything. Um, people who were, as you said before, people who were already lonely became even lonelier. Um, we, we talked last week about people who were depressed and used um, social gatherings as part of their treatment of depression, getting out, getting with other people. That all shut down and their depressive symptoms returned. You know, they began to, they began to succeed in um, reducing their symptoms and suddenly everything shuts down and symptoms return and maybe intensify. And so in one way or another, we've all been affected. Right. Absolutely. So in one way or another, we are all going through some grief process. We are all grieving for something. Right. And in grief, you know, we, we've talked about grief on the podcast before. Um, yeah. and, and so there are a number of um, podcasts that we've done about grief, but it's, you know, loosely defined as, the, you know, a, sort of an involuntary response. Right. And, you know, you can you can sort of gauge how important something is by how much you grieve. The more the more important it is to you, uh, the more important the thing that you lost is to you. The more you're going to grieve. The the harder it's going to be to cope with and to deal with that loss. Um, right. and, and we we often think of grief, you know, in losing someone like you know if somebody passed away or or died from something. Um, but but grief can come about from any losing anything, losing a relationship, losing a job that you really enjoyed, right. losing, um, losing a house that you really loved. Um, mm-hmm. Any of those things can cause a very, various levels of grief. And so, yes, we, we are all going through that in some, some fashion. Right. Yeah. We, and, and, and I think it's a good starting point is that we've all lost something. Um, and so grief is this involuntary response to losing something. Um, I have a, a couple of people that I see who have lost uh, romantic relationships during the pandemic. That, that's grief, okay? It's a, it's a similar grief process. And so, but grief, this response that we're talking about can be an emotional response, psychological response, a physical, for some people it's a physical response, um, a social, behavioral, can be a spiritual reaction. Um, 
so the, the, the grief response can manifest itself in many different ways. For some people, it's a loss of sleep or, or loss of appetite, um, anxiety and fear. And so each of us uh, will experience this a, a little differently. Um, the other thing that I think is particularly important now is that grief can also produce um, confusion and brain fog. Okay? And there are many people coming in now saying, I, I think I'm having memory loss. Well, be very careful because your memory loss, your brain fog could be related to the grief that you don't realize you're experiencing, but you certainly uh, surely are, okay? Um, and then there's these feelings of hopelessness, helplessness and despair that sort of overcome us and, and can move us in that direction of depression. Um, so, so don't underestimate that you have, we have all lost something. When you lose something, you go through a grief process. But the important thing about this article is that it reminds us that our understanding of grief might need to be changed a little bit. We, we, we tend to think of grief in a certain way because that's what we've been taught and that's what we read about. But it may be time to rethink grief. And as, as we all deal with our own private grief, that we do it with a, a little bit of a different understanding of the grief process. Absolutely. And, and most of the um, way that we think about grief comes from that 1960s book um, by uh, Kubler-Ross. Right. We'll talk about the stages, the five stages of, of grief. Right. And, and I think that, you know, people still think of it in terms that we have these five stages. At first, you're going to experience denial, then anger, then bargaining, um, depression, and acceptance. Those are the five. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Um, and that we're all working towards getting to acceptance. And, and while that part's true, we, we all want to get to acceptance. Um, you know, sin, we, we think about it in terms of these five stages, but, you know, research since then has demonstrated that they are not stages. Right. Um, you may go through grief, but never experience denial, which is right. one of the right. um, mm -hmm. You may never experience anger or do the bargaining. Um, so they're not stages in that you start with the first one and you work your way through the five to towards acceptance, mm -hmm. you can experience any one of them. Right. Um, and you can get to acceptance, but then suddenly find yourself bargaining again, you right. know, so you go in and out of these different, um, you know, experiences of, mm -hmm. of grief at any time throughout the process. And, right. and over time, you know, over, over years, even mm -hmm. after the loss uh, occurred. So, but that's the way that we think about grief. Right. Yeah. Because when, when she, uh, she was a, um, she was a physician and she had a particular interest in end of life, her work with grief was about people who were dealing with a terminal illness. Okay. And it wasn't that she was wrong. It's just, she worked with a particular population. Right. And when people were confronted with the idea of they have a terminal illness. These are the these are the five stages that they go through. She never said they were linear. She never said that first it's this and then it's this and then it's this. Even she said you go in and out of these phases and you might skip a stage or you might go back to a stage and re revisit it. But this was with a particular population. You know, Bernie, we were talking about um, dates 
that um, assessment instruments were built. And yeah. we think of how, how, wow, it was that long ago. This was 1969 that right. she did it. And the, one of the values, in addition to, to informing us about um, at least an aspect of the grief process, she, her work was also instrumental in changing the way the medical community dealt with um, death and dying. And in fact, the palliative hospice movement was a result of her work. And so she made an invaluable contribution about how we as a culture deal with death and dying. Okay? So it was, a, it was a very um, important, um, fundamental, instrumental uh, change in the way we deal with death and dying. So it, but there's more to, and, and we put in the show, there's a, there's a wonderful article that explains her, um, her model her, of death and dying and the five stage process. So if you're at all interested in that, it's still very useful. Um, but if you're interested in that, there's an article in the, in the show notes, uh, a website you can go to. But what we're going to talk about today is a, a, a slight change in how we view the grief process because this person, um, Colleen uh, Murphy, is talking about grief as occurring in two stages, that some grief has two stages. Right. And, and, um, and the link to this article is in the show notes as well. Um, and what she talks about is that um, you, you have these two stages and the first stage, you know, cause she thought, she says that, you know, you have this first stage of the experience itself. Right. Um, and, and that's when, whenever the event is hap has happened or is happening, um, this can last, you know, it can last a couple of months. It can last a couple of years, but it's right. very intense and very, um, influential in a person's life. Right. That's, that's, that's the first phase. We right. just talked about two stages. Stage one is that very intense um, um, involuntary reaction to loss. Okay. And she said, that's what we went through last year. Uh, since the beginning of the pandemic, we, we went through that very intense emotional loss. Now that we're entering this new phase, we are beginning to enter stage two of right. the grief process. And um, this article that, that she, she posted is based on a book by Hope Edelman. And the title of the book is After Grief, The After Grief. Right. And uh, it's used as a single word, finding your way along the long arc of loss. And, and, and stage two is this second phase of the grief process. And that's what this article is about. Right. And what I what I found really um, helpful about this article is it, it helps explain some of those feelings that you get. You know, yeah, you, you are experiencing some relief. Yeah, you're experiencing some, you know, things need to be getting better, but you still kind of feel lousy. You still kind of feel like, man, I missed out on this or I missed out on that or man, I can never do that again. Or, you know, we're still wearing these stupid masks and, you know, those kinds of things, we have all of this good stuff happening, all this positivity that we could be experiencing, but yet we're, we're holding on to some of these, you know, some negative aspects. And that's what she's talking about with stage two, that we're reentering the world, but, you know, it, it's not, 
it's not the same. And so we're grieving that not sameness. Right. And so the grief that most of us are experiencing now is not going to be in those five stages. Right. Okay. This is a different kind of grief. Um, and so the, what we're beginning to experience now is in stage two, what she calls after grief. Um, I think of the, um, of the conversation we have with people who are recently divorced, especially if it's a very, a very long marriage of 26 or 30 or 40 years and it ends in divorce. And we always remind people that, you know, you've been married for 30 years you're not, the grief process, the loss, you're not going to get over it in six months or a year, okay? And you're going to keep revisiting it, and it's going to take several years. It's not going to take 30 years. If you've been married 30 years, it doesn't take 30 years to get over it, but it takes a long time. It takes several years to begin to get over the loss of a long-term marriage, And, and and that's what after grief is, because after grief, you keep experiencing the loss, not in these five stages, but in some very different kinds of ways. And what this article is about, how do you deal with that? Um, how do you deal with those, the challenges that come with the after grief process? Right, and, and I think that in, we, we've kind of alluded to some of this in, in previous podcasts about you know, the times in which the, the effect of the loss is going to re- resurge. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things that she refers to is, you know, how to deal with the sneak attacks of right. grief. You know, right. you're feeling good, but then all of a sudden it's like a memory comes back or mm-hmm. something happens and you get, you know, you're suddenly you're, you're sad or you're feeling that grief again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so prepare for that, you know, right. that. Right. She talks about, um, in, in her article, she talks about, the uh, aromas uh, sense. Um, and we know that the, 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 we have this primordial olfactory system that responds to aromas and smells. And she talks about the smell of Chanel number no. five. Her mother yeah. wore Chanel number no. five. And um, every time she would smell that, it would, it would all these memories of, and, and grief would recur every time she smelled Chanel number no. five. And so she found a way to deal with Chanel number no. five. She began wearing it herself, okay? And so then she built a whole new set of memories uh, that were pleasant memories. And, and then she began to have pleasant memories of her mother. Her mother would wear Chanel number no. five when she went out. And so this woman began to wear Chanel number no. five when she went out. And so it created this shared experience. But you have to prepare for the sneak, the sneak attacks are going to occur. Um, people say that all the time. I, I thought I was, you know, two years post-divorce and people say, wow, I thought I was really over it. And suddenly I, I, something reminds me of it and it all comes flooding back. Yes, it does. And you have to, you have to deal with those sneak attacks. It is going to sneak up. Periodically, it will sneak up on you and, and you have to prepare for that. Absolutely. And another thing to prepare for is those, are, are those times when you can anticipate mm-hmm. uh, grief you know it's always difficult around you know the holidays holidays mm-hmm. you know, anniversaries uh birthdays and some of those kinds of things Th- those are going to be times that are going to be a little bit more difficult and so you, again you have to prepare for those times get yourself set for what's to come right you can you can grieve the if you lose a loved one it can be 40 or 50 years later 
-hmm. But that birthday occurs every year and it's a reminder. And and it's going to be a reminder. And so you can have seasonal triggers like, oh man, every summer we used to go to the lake house and now we can't do that anymore. Or it can be an anniversary trigger, the anniversary of a a birthday Mm -hmm. or a death day. Um, you know, I, I hate every July 10th because it has a significant meaning in my life. And so you need to prepare for the anticipated grief that will recur year after year. Right. And, and when, you, when you're thinking about preparing for those, you know, anticipating those days that may be extra difficult, um, you know, there's a couple of things that you can do for that. You can, you can plan sort of a commemoration, you know, something that you're doing to celebrate that person on that particular day, if it was a loss, uh, you know, if somebody passed away or something. Um, if you're talking about the loss of a, you know, a divorce or something like that, you know, those days, you might want to spend those days doing something different that, mm-hmm. as the Chanel number five um, example, you know, that creates new memories for those days um, that, that puts you you know, we have a tendency to, to try to relive some of those things. And so you're, while it's hurting and you're, you're struggling, you know, mm-hmm. tend to find ourselves doing things that make that hurt worse. You right. know, you go back to, you know, for that, the wedding anniversary, um, for after the divorce, you go back to, you know, up places that you went when you were married and, you know, it, it can, that can be helpful in some ways. But if it's painful, if it's creating a lot of grief and it's creating a lot of discomfort, don't do that. You know, do something different. Plan, you know, pull a team together to help pull you away from those kinds of behaviors and do something different. Right. Um, I think particularly with a divorce, uh, particularly after a long marriage, um, a divorce or, uh, or the death of a loved one, um, I couldn't think of any honor greater than somebody coming to me and saying, hey, um, I really struggle um, I'm really going to struggle because the, it's our anniversary or it's his birthday or it's this or it's that. Can I spend the day with you? Can, can, will you join us in um, helping me get through this day? Man, that would be an honor right. to be able to, to do that for somebody. And I fully intend to rely on my, my friends and family and say, Hey, look, uh, I know I'm going to struggle that day. I'd really like to spend the day with you guys. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, they're going to say yes. And, and so, so you put together your team, you, you anticipate these rituals and you come up with something that helps you get through it. Don't, don't sit home and suffer in silence. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of people do is they try to, they, they have this belief that they have to do it alone. Now, this is something that I have to get through. And, and it, it's not that way. You know, we, we are social creatures for a reason and, right. and we hope to deal with you know, those kinds of losses or dealing with, you know, finding ways to cope with and deal with some of these issues. That's right. And you know, you know, you're going to struggle on certain days. So prepare ahead of time, plan. Um, what, what are you going to do to get through these difficult days and difficult times? Mm-hmm. And the author also talks about the differences between the ways in which men and women grieve, that, that we do grieve differently. You know, women are much more likely to want to talk about it. They, they will get, you know, emotional and tearful and, and, you know, express them, their emotions in ways that, well, men won't, you know, men will internalize it. They will kind of hold on to it and step it down. Um, and they will try to be, they're ones to be more likely to try to distract themselves and, and do something different so that they don't have to think about it or don't have to experience it. 
Yeah, and we know that we know that men are notorious internalizers. Um, they, they, you know, women, women externalize. They want to talk about it. They want to um, talk about it. They will cry. They will lament. Um, they will express their emotions in ways that men simply don't, or most men don't. And so men will internalize. And so what um, Edelman recommends is that you try a combination of the two. You know, it, it's there are some things that you can internalize because they are private, but men should be more feminine and women can be, but I think a combination of the two, go ahead and externalize and go ahead and internalize some things, okay? Yeah, do go do something. And while you're doing it, you can talk about it and you can, you right. know, it's a little bit, but you know, don't, you know, don't stay stuck and not process it. That's, that's the big thing there. I think that's the important thing is that you don't want to stay you don't want to get stuck on anything, right. whether it's grief or loss. Um, you don't want to get stuck on anything. You don't want to get stuck on something that's, that is a pleasant experience. You know, if you, if you go to your friends and you keep talking about this over and over and over and over and over and over, no, you have to move on. I mean, you have to get to some new places. Um, and so getting stuck on anything uh, is, is a potential problem. So um, yeah, use your friends, but I, I would consider it an honor to be asked. And I'm sure that everybody feels the same way. Um, you know, I'd be, I'm, I'm, I think everybody would be happy to play that role in somebody's life. Absolutely. The author, she also talks about the ways in which the mm -hmm. pandemic has changed the way that we grieve. And, and it's so very true. And we, again, we've kind of talked about this before that, you know, whereas in the past we would get together with loved ones and we would, you know, grieve. And there were the stories about, you know, funerals and things that happened that nobody could go to, you know, nobody could experience and, and go to mourn together. And so people were left grieving alone, uh, which is so difficult. Um, you know, the virtual, um, it, it, it's not the same, you know, it's not the same as holding someone and, and, grieving with someone, being in the same presence as someone. Um, I can't imagine how difficult that was for some people, particularly with close families, where you, you know, we, we grieving is, grieving is a social, um, it's a social thing. I mean, it's something we want to be with friends and family and, and, and have that close uh, physical and emotional support at a time like that. And throughout the pandemic, where we couldn't have funerals, bodies were just disposed of, you know, so they were, I mean, I can't imagine what some families went through um, during those times. Um, a, Zoom, a Zoom meeting is just no substitute for sitting close to friends and relatives. Right. No, um, and the pandemic gave all of us a lot to grieve about. Um, but the reason after grief becomes important is because we didn't grieve effectively during the pandemic. And so after grief could linger and we could re-grieve when we're able to, now that we're able to, we might re redo our grief over and over again during this uh, second stage of the grief process. And that's one of the things they talk about. We didn't grieve well during the pandemic and maybe we're going to re-grieve all this stuff as we move forward. Right. And that's, that's an important, final point is that, you know, as we are getting into this after grief um, time period, you know, 
be prepared for it. Be prepared for your loved ones and your friends that are going to be dealing with some of these issues. Um, friends that you, you know, friends and loved ones that you think maybe they already went through all of the grief because it, it, you know, it could have been a year ago that they lost someone. Right. Um, and you're like, okay, they're already through that. Like they've been living their life for the last year and it's, everything's okay. You know, that, that first, that first holiday that you go to and that person is not there, people are going to be experiencing some grief and some really hard times from that. So right. prepared for it and help each other. Right. 2021 is bringing some relief, but I, I think she's right. I think it's also going to bring after grief because the grieving that we couldn't do in the past year, we're going to do, and, and I know people who lost relatives during the pandemic to COVID. And um, they're, 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 it's likely that they're going to continue to grieve, continue to struggle with the loss well into 2021 and 2022. Um, so, so be prepared to help those who are going to struggle with after grief, what, what we're now calling after grief. Um, it simply is another aspect of this pandemic. Um, and when we talk about life after COVID, one of the things that, that we need to be prepared for in life after COVID is after grief. Um, we are all going to be struggling in one way or another with it. So be prepared. If you're, you know, be prepared to, to uh, meet with friends and relatives who are going through it. And if you're a professional, keep in mind in your practice that you're, it's probably going to appear in your practice. Absolutely. You know, and, and as we look over the, the last year and how things have evolved, you know, we have fought over and argued about and debated about so many ridiculous things. Right. Um, there, there's so much work to do. There's so much that we need to do for each other, for ourselves, um, you know, to recover from the past you know, year. And this past year isn't over yet. You know, we, there, there are still, as you said, you know, especially in other countries, there are still so many people suffering and struggling with this. Even in, in our country, there's still so many people struggling and suffering. So, um, you know, we have a lot of work to do and it's going to take us all working together. So, you know, let's get to it. Let's prepare for it and be, be ready to, to support each other. I'm glad you make that point uh, about all these silly arguments that we've had over masks and so, you know, we, we've, we've had so many arguments that were, that we now look back and say, it was kind of stupid that we argued about these things. I mean, you know, um, because, and there is, there's so much work that we are doing right now that we're going to need to do in the future. Um, and that's what we should be turning our attention to now is stop, stop having those silly, I mean, this whole mask argument has been so, 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 I mean, it's, it's, I use the word silly, it's a silly argument. Um, and, so, and when you think about people who are truly going through a grief process and as we emerge from this horrible uh, last 12 or 13 months and we move forward, there is so much work that has to be done. You know? So let's stop fighting each other about the silly things. Let's get on to what's really important. Absolutely, so, all right. Well, I think then that is it for today. Um, until next time, stay healthy and forget to be afraid.